to The Secret Sauce. I am your host, Kip Schubert, and this is a podcast about educators sharing their stories and how that has led them to their own secret sauce and building life-changing connections and relationships with students and staff. This episode gets into a personal and vulnerable but also valuable and necessary story in finding our own unique secret sauce. So here we go with episode number eight, Try Harder Daddy. As a kid, I required some deep daddy issues. The divorce my parents went through was devastating to me, and I got caught in the middle of it in ways that I won't go into in this podcast because it would not be fair to either one of my parents. But there were things a young 12-year-old boy should just not see or be brought into in an adult relationship. They would alter the course of who I believed I was and erode all semblance of self-esteem I had. It was a dark time that became the catalyst for how I would conceive relationships as an adult, the crutch I would use to blame all my future failures upon. It was the beginning of me thinking my entire life was just about me. You know, in our lives, it all boils down to two things, purpose and relationships. They are why we serve up our secret sauce. Yet a vital lesson is necessary to understand and embrace the secret sauce within us all. It is the lesson of humility. A lesson I would learn in the most painful way, and painfully especially to my two sons. Sharing our secret sauce is fueled by purpose and relationships. However, until we learn why we have this secret sauce within us, it never becomes the powerful force we need as educators. Life will humble us, bringing us down to our right size. And I am grateful that I accepted the fact that I needed an apron of humility. Without it, I would have never been able to begin discovering and serving up that secret sauce. Our secret sauce begins with the serving of humble pie. As a young man, I did not possess the ability to understand purpose, and the relationships that I tried to build were almost always entirely unhealthy. In time, they would become toxic as I sucked the life out of each person I was connected to. I needed them to be the self-love that I could not give myself. I needed their constant validation that I was worthy of love. There was no intent to stand on my own. I needed a relationship to do that for me. I would smother the flame of each romantic relationship and then blame them for me looking elsewhere for someone new. I had vowed to not repeat some of my father's mistakes. It was something I told myself that I would never do. A divorce, a broken home, was something that I would never put on my kids, and I meant it. I just had no idea how not to let that happen. My soul was broken, and I was unaware that a relationship would never mend my crumbling heart. What I swore I would never do, I did. My life was all about me, and I would leave people devastated in my wake for many years to come. But the ones I wanted to love and protect the most, my kids, are the very ones I crushed. I did not set out to hurt my kids, just as I am 100% positive my dad did not set out to hurt me. But in 1990, the story began that would end up leaving my two boys crushed. I was attending college at Oklahoma Christian University in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and school was secondary to me. I was there to play soccer, and I did it well. I gained a ton of recognition as an athlete, received award after award, and in spite of myself was getting an education as well. My high school girlfriend followed me to college, and in June of 1990, we were going to get married. She was my crutch, my place to hide from the battle that raged within me. The war between who I knew I was at the time 
and who I really wanted to be. She was the sweetest girl, but not anything I really needed, and to be honest, I was the last thing she needed. Young and dumb, we got married, and she quickly became pregnant with my first son, Blake. My senior year, we moved into an off-campus apartment as I tried to play athlete, student, best friend of my mates, and father-to-be, and husband in that order. I wanted the best of both worlds, single college athlete, chasing the party at every chance, with the escape to come home to a wife and baby on the way that gave me some sense of purpose. I will never forget the morning of April 23rd, 1991, when my wife's water broke and we made our rush to the hospital. I think I took off to the car without her and her bag. A glimpse of my life becoming just about me. However, that day was one of the best days of my life. Seeing my son Blake being born was truly the most miraculous thing I had ever seen. I felt like Tom Hanks and Tom Hanks and Castaway, but instead of screaming I made fire, I held my son and was in awe that we made this real live baby boy. I instantly was connected, but I would end up needing him to feel like I was somebody. I missed the point that it wasn't about me any longer. It wasn't about my needs. It was about him, and he just needed his daddy. Fourteen months later, our son Brady was born. Me and my brother Carrie were 18 months apart, and I wanted my kids to be that close too. And Brady began to want to appear into this world the same morning I had opening tryouts for our first year soccer club. I had spent the entire spring recruiting as my brother and I would venture into the arena as just not players, but coaches. I hustled my pregnant wife in labor into the car and headed for the soccer fields. The tryouts had to get started, and I was the one families were coming to see, to meet, and to play for. As I hopped out to get the tryout started, I told my wife to just honk the horn when it was time, and we would make our second hospital run. It wasn't long, and I heard that honk. I had got the tryout started, and things were going well. I was going to be a success. And oh yeah, I was having another baby boy. Another one of those greatest days of my life, yet the focus was more on me than it was on anyone else much less my wife and unborn son. Brady was born, and it was magnificent and scary. He had the umbilical cord wrapped around his neck and was blue. I was paralyzed with fear, but as is his nature, he found a way. He began to cry, his color returned, and I knew this kid was going to be a warrior. What a day. A new soccer club was started, my second son was brought into the world, and all I could think about was me. I was so selfishly lost. Everything was for me. I was owed that. I needed it. Without it, I was just a broken soul and a failure. What I had thought would be my happily ever after turned out to be the exact nightmare that I swore I would never let happen to my family or my own children. Life for a while seemed normal, or what I thought was normal. I had a loving wife, two healthy kids, a job as a teacher and a coach. My life seemed on the outside like the perfect picture of Americana. But inside, I was restless. My spirit was full of discontent, and all I knew was that I could feel it. But then again, I felt terribly guilty because I shouldn't have those thoughts. What was missing? Was it more value and recognition at work? Could it be that I needed to win more state championships as a coach? Was my marriage lacking in authentic love and commitment? All I knew was that Kip needed more. And I began to seek that by chasing the party. What I didn't realize was this. All I needed was right there within me the whole time. I needed to love and be content with who I was and what I had. I would learn in time that no thing, 
No accomplishment and no other person could do that for me. Consequently, my boys would pay the ultimate price for my inability to develop a true relationship with myself. The boys were eight and seven, and they meant the world to me, but I was focused more on my restlessness, my restlessness than them. Most nights after I got home from work and soccer practice, I would eat, shower, and leave to go out with my friends. It was a couple nights a week, maybe one more on the weekend, and it would be the beginning of a pattern that would lead me to my rock bottom. I'd chase the party, drank to get drunk, with the delusion that somehow I would meet someone that would take away the cloud of self-imposed depression that never would go away. It never really dawned on me on how it was affecting my children. They were going to bed right after I left, and they were just little kids. They would be fine because I loved them and that was that. But by not loving myself, I was failing as a father. I never developed the capacity to create the space for them that they needed because I had not ever created it for myself. My life was all about me. The distance between me and my wife widened to a distance that was irreparable. In the year 2000, it would lead us to separate and eventually divorce. At Thanksgiving of that year, she went to her parents and I stayed at home. I remember being so heartbroken and hopeful all at the same time. My turkey dinner that year consisted of a case of beer, chips, and nacho cheese dip. I spent the day feeling sorry for myself, knowing that when my family returned, we would tell the boys that their daddy was ripping their family apart and their hearts right out of their chest. The more I drank, the sadder and heavier my heart became. I tried to escape in the booze until I must have passed out. When I came to the next morning, there it was, that guilt, that, self, that selfish sadness staring me right in the face. The alcoholic was born in that family room, and I didn't even know it. I would spend the next 14 years running from facing the fact that I hated who I'd become by escaping into as many cans of beer as I could. Little did I know that I would soon hear the words from my youngest son that had haunted me till this very day. My wife and I agreed to tell them after I returned from a weekend of partying and indoor soccer. It would be on a Sunday evening after my game and I was able to get home. When I walked in the door, I was dreading what was about to happen, yet I had no intention of doing anything differently. The instant I hit the entryway, I could sense the heartbreak. Something had already happened. My wife had decided to go ahead and tell the boys of our divorce. I was so angry, but she had a point. She didn't even know if I was going to show up or not, so she just did it. She just said, they are in their room. I made my way down the L-shaped hallway to their bedroom, and I had no idea what I was going to say, but it hit me. I had become exactly the man that I promised myself I would never become. I was about to do to my sons what my father had done to me. As I entered the room, the look on their faces broke my heart. I immediately pushed it down, it so far down in my gut to not feel the immense pain. I knew that pain, that life-altering pain, and here I was dishing it out on my boys. I said the words of, it will be all right, we will always love you, and we will always take care of you, but none of it was any solace to them, and I knew it. They just wanted to know why. And I didn't have the guts to tell them that your dad was unhappy and needed something more. I couldn't tell them that your dad is broken and broken and has no idea how to fix it. I don't know if I even knew that then. But I tried to comfort them as best I could to the point I just couldn't stand the guilt of their tears washing over me. As I got up to leave the room, Brady, my youngest, 
grabbed my leg and started sobbing uncontrollably. The words he spoke reduced me to tears to this day, even as I tell you this story. He simply cried out, Try harder, Daddy. Try harder. What man would not at least give it one more go after a request like that? Me. I looked at him with tears in my eyes and said, I did, son, and I walked out of the room. I hated myself. To this day, I am disgusted by what I did to my boys. But it was the teeth of a lesson that I would learn sitting in rehab 14 years later. Hurt people hurt people. And that is true. But to me, it is an excuse. The fact was my life was all about me. I sought in others meaning and purpose. I destroyed people and my selfish pursuits for that promised land. I learned the hard way that the life we dream of doesn't find us in what we get or who we have. The life we dream of finds us when we live it to give to others. Taking our talents, our abilities, our stories, and giving them away freely. When I learned to love myself, I could do that. The life I sought after was right inside of me all along. I am just sorry I had to hurt so many, especially the ones I loved the most, to find it. I hear Brady's words each day in my head. Try harder, Daddy. And I do. To find that secret sauce, I had to accept my daily serving of humble pie. My life today is just not all about me. Learning the lesson of humility was the first step in my eyes being opened to the wonder in us all. It was the first step in me finding that secret sauce. Guys, I would love to connect with you. Come find me on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, or Instagram. I would be honored if you would share out this podcast. Follow it so you don't miss the next episode, and together we can cultivate that secret sauce to building life-changing relationships with our students and staff. If you would like to be a guest, share your story, and how it has helped you develop your secret sauce, please reach out to me. I would love to talk about scheduling you on the show. Continue to share your story. Create connections and relationships in a school culture that is life-changing. Learn the lesson of humility, that life is just not all about us. We find the foundation to our secret sauce when we learn it is about impacting others. I'm going to try harder to make a difference. I hope you will too. Till next time.